Hi everyone! Thanks so much for tuning in, and welcome to Season 2 of Boiled Over. I'm so excited to finally get to start sharing interviews with you again, but before we jump into it, some housekeeping first. A few things have changed around here since the last episode, but most notably, it's just me now. Kohana is still around, and very much a vital part of this project, but has understandably had to take a step back from interviews, as running a podcast is a tremendous amount of work to balance in addition to a full-time freelance practice. This all being said, some long-time listeners may notice that certain parts of the podcast will appear missing, but I assure you that I'm doing my best as a humble team of one now, and promise to try and deliver content regularly and as often as I can. I'm so happy to be reunited with any long-time listeners, and a very warm welcome to anyone listening for the first time. Without further ado, I'm Lige Morgan, and this is Boiled Over. This week, I sat down with Yuval Hacker, a dear friend and animator whose work I've admired for a long time. Yuval and I first met on Instagram in early 2021, where he sent me a very kind DM asking about one of the effects I'd used in an animation. This quickly led to a back and forth, as I'd admired his work for a while and had a bunch of questions of my own. We ended up finally getting to meet in person in Brooklyn earlier this year and scheduled this interview shortly after. Yuval, would you mind introducing yourself and talking a little bit about the work you make? Yes, <laughs> um, of course. So I'm Yuval, um, 31 years old. I work between Tel Aviv and New York. That's where we met in the past in uh, New York City. And uh, yeah, I'm like uh, an animation director and an illustrator. And uh, most of my work is like either music videos or commercials or explainers, a lot of explainers. Um, and much of my work seems to be kind of like a mix between live action and animation in some way or another, whether it's like an animated interview where you kind of need to like embed animation within footage or kind of find ways to bring in the footage into the animation or kind of where we go in from uh, footage into like this animated world to kind of bring out more abstract concepts. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, I love the way that you mix mediums and styles and live action and 2D animation. And I think you were telling me that you're doing some 3D stuff too. Um, and yeah, I'm super excited to talk about all of that. But yeah, let's, I guess, just jump into it. And do you want to talk a little bit about how you got started in animation and kind of why you've stuck with it? Um, well, I guess that uh, I was always doing art basically since I'm a kid, one of those kids, you know, like my parents sort of um, always encouraged me to make art and uh, art classes, all that kind of thing, you know. And then when I was applying to university, uh, I was in Israel at the time. Um, my girlfriend at the time was applying to this thing called visual communications at uh, Betzalel. It's a college in Jerusalem. And she's like, why don't you just apply? You know, it's like, it seems right up your alley. It's like these, uh, you know, you do comics, you make all this like fun little, you know, illustrations. Like it seems it's totally in line with what you do. And I'm like, okay. And I was, I totally thought I would be like an art kid, you know, like going to like study either art or photography or something like that. And I applied and I got in to visual communications and yeah. And then I just like the first two years were a little confusing to me, honestly, like a lot of typography and like intro to illustration. I was like, didn't fully know what I was doing there all the way. Uh, but then in the third year, we had this like intro to motion design course and we had to make this 
um, animated album cover where we both kind of designed or illustrated the album cover of our dreams and then also brought it to life. And I just sort of was going like frame by frame and starting to realize, oh shit, this is like how you animate. Like I was drawing in Photoshop, going frame, 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 and I could make a character move. And I was like, this seems like something I can do. Um, and then I, I did an internship between my third and fourth year in this studio in New York um, called Dress Code. And they're like a motion design studio, but they also do live action and stuff. And they brought me on to help with like, you know, a couple of uh, animated films, like personal projects they were doing. So I did like some cell animation on this film called Coke Habit, which is like a Coca-Cola habit. Uh, and then uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a really good film. Um, and I was doing that. I learned a little bit of how to start working with After Effects. And that brought me to my last year in university where I did my thesis film. It was a music video for this artist called Alon Eder, he's this Israeli musician. I just reached out to him and I made this very surreal music video that's like four minutes long. And I felt like I really found my style. Uh, I found like a cool way to work, which was a mix of like frame by frame mixed with compositing and After Effects. And it seemed to get like a lot of good attention from like, you know, um, like the next part of my career happened sort of by accident because uh, my, my teacher kind of like posted it on Facebook. And I was like, shit, what? No, I, I I wanted to send it to festivals. Like it shouldn't be on Facebook. Like I had no idea how this stuff works. And then I started getting like likes and you know, all this stuff. And I was like, oh, actually, you know, let's just, you know, leave it up. And then um, my boss from my internship saw it and he's like, oh, maybe you want to hop on board, like back to the studio for like this project we have going on for a month. Saw it on like, Facebook? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And I was like, uh, yeah, when do you want to start? And he's like, ideally uh, next Monday. And it was like Wednesday or something. Of course, of and, course. <laughs> can I do it from here, from Israel? And he's like, oh, uh, no, you'd be here ideally. So I just like booked a flight for two days later, just oh packed gosh. up apartment, put it in my parents' house and just moved. And then I was, I've been in New York ever since, basically. Yeah, that's, uh, sorry, I, that was a technical answer for how I stuck with animation. No, I, I think that was perfect. Um, and I don't know, it's it's such a cool journey. I'm definitely curious about in reaching out to that musician while you were in school, like what that was like for you, because I know a lot of people who are trying to get into music videos, who like were trying to get into music videos for a long time and struggling and trying to break in like that. And then you hear these stories about people just, you know, cold messaging artists basically um and wondering like what that process was like for you and what that was like kind of as a student at the time as well hmm. um well it was kind of like pre-instagram or at least i know yeah it was it was a little bit before like dms and stuff like that so if you can believe it so like basically i got my teacher knew someone who knew him like alone the uh the singer and like managed to get his email and i like emailed him hey i know this already has a music video but it's like live action do you mind if i make an animated one for it and he's like let's hop on a call and then he talked to me and it was like holy shit this guy's so cool i can't believe we're talking and then he's like yeah go ahead i mean he didn't have any funding for me obviously but like he's like do your thing and i didn't send him anything as i went along almost just a couple of things like looks great and then i um then i finished the video and like and he loved it and stuff. He like reshared it and everything. 
but that was it's israel so it's like a little more, more like you know it's easier to get to who you want it's like a little town almost mm-hmm. it's not as complicated you're like one step away from someone super famous you know what right. i mean so but as far as talking to musicians um like years later after i already had some more like work in my portfolio and everything i spoke with this israeli artist called yoni bloch and he's like super iconic here like in our teens he was like this you know cultural icon rock icon and he was making his comeback after living in new york for like 10 years working in um he had this startup he still has and uh he's like oh i'm making a musical comeback um let's make a music video So I did this very lo-fi music video where I got two friends to film him over green screen in his backyard. And then I like um, cut that up in After Effects and like kind of like uh, did this music video, which is a mix of live action and just like animating over him and under him and like turning him into animation. And uh, I really like it because it's so lo-fi. It's just me together with two like animation interns I worked with for like a month. Um, but then what happened was that um the singer yoni is friends with this record executive in new york and he saw it and he's like oh shit i need a music video in this kind of style for my a band that i manage which is ajr which is like a pop band in new york or wherever and i was like holy shit these guys have like millions of streams like hundreds of millions of streams And then I just like, you know, from one week to the next, suddenly I was making a music video for them. So in a very wow. similar kind of like lo- lo-fi aesthetic, and they also, they just kind of like got a camera crew to shoot them like in New York, this was in COVID. So I had to stay in Tel Aviv and like direct them through Zoom through like, you know, they were showing me like the monitor as they were like filming them. And I was like, okay guys, right. a little bit more passion <laughs> or whatever. And um, that was really cool. And then they just kind of gave me a lot of freedom Um, but sorry, that wasn't the answer to your question. The answer to your question is that like, I did some smaller work, which kind of allowed me to get in touch with clients that were, you know, technically bigger. Um, so it's not like I DM'd anyone famous, but I made connections with people that like learned to kind of trust me. And then like that same record executive now, like sometimes he's asked me to do a couple of record covers or stuff like that. Um, it was like stepping stones along the way, kind of. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I've never like DM'd anyone famous and gotten this incredible, like, holy shit. Yeah. We want to work with you. It's never been that. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that's still really cool though. And I mean, on more of like a technical level and you kind of already answered this, um, when talking about your style with Photoshop and after effects and compositing, but what programs do you usually tend to work in, um, when you're producing your work? Hmm. Um, So sorry, it makes me laugh because like it reminds me of that thing where in your comment section, it's like, what program did you use? And it's like, I completely get that because sometimes you think that that's like the answer to all your prayers, like just understand oh, that's the, right. the secret. Right. Of course. When really I'm like I use very simple methods technically, like so I illustrate in Photoshop almost, you know, just there basically, like digitally, not even like uh, physically, not even a mix or anything. And that's also where I do my frame by frame animation. Um, so like I use this uh, plugin called Anim Dessin 2 by this French guy. So it's like Anim Dessin or something. And um, it's amazing because it really makes it much more like Flash or these other animation programs because Photoshop, you know, 
it kind of sucks for animation, but it's also amazing because the brushes are really good. Um, and you already know how to illustrate a single frame in Photoshop. So it's just transferring that into multiple frames. And what that plugin does um, is that it kind of cuts the video layer up into tiny little layers so that essentially you can be like, this layer is like one frame, this one is two frames, three frames, and another two frames. It just makes it so much more intuitive to work with. And it also enables you to like turn on onion skins. Well, you can do that in Photoshop video layer anyways, but onion skins on, off, you know, how many layers you want to see. Uh, so that's what I taught myself when I was in university and how I got started in like frame by frame animation. And then I'll usually um, export those from uh, Photoshop with like an alpha channel so that I have room to like play around with it when I bring it into After Effects. That's where all the like compositing happens. Cause you know, I'll kind of play around the composition, timing, um, time remapping, whatever you need. Like uh, um, just like changing colors, making the backgrounds more dynamic. Like many of the transitions happen there too. And like, and usually I'll just like slap on effects and after effects too, like, you know, just to kind of make it all feel more refined and polished. Anyways, sorry, that again, compositing in After Effects and uh, frame by frame in Photoshop. Though when I work with other animators, like on bigger projects, they usually work in Flash. So that makes me need to work in Flash too. That's the ideal like setup. So Flash or, you know, Adobe Animate as it's now called together with After Effects. Do you ever work like physically or is it always, you know, usually digitally in these programs? Um, I unfortunately don't work physically anymore. I used to, but I try to create the same vibe when I'm, uh, illustrating digitally. So like any technique I use usually has some like texture to it. Uh, I, yeah, I think I started working digitally because, you know, design school in a way kind of forces you to try to make everything look like refined and finished. So naturally you like start doing it digitally to like, imp like impress your professors, I guess, or something. I don't even know why you do it. But then um, luckily I did find my groove with this one technique, which is like this sort of uh, digital airbrush technique, I guess, which feels almost like it's physical, but actually I do it completely digitally in Photoshop. Okay, cool. Is that how you do like a lot of your shading and your, your highlights and stuff? Totally, yeah. It's all in Photoshop. It's actually using shape layers in Photoshop, which is essentially this thing I didn't know existed until a few years ago where you can use the pen tool to create shapes and then you kind of like skim over the shapes with like the airbrush which is really simple it's literally a soft brush um and then I like a lot of blending modes to kind of um add the the, the shadows and highlights so are you basically using the shapes like a stencil kind of yeah, I never thought of it that way. Uh, I'm just trying to think because, I mean, it is such like a physical process that you're replicating in Photoshop with the airbrush and like stencils and stuff. That's kind of what it feels like to me. But yeah, I don't know. In a way. Yeah, yeah. I never thought about it. Yeah, totally. Um, and I want to say one more thing that like my ideas, like the first stage I do till this day is always, always, always um, thumbnailing like in a sketchbook, never digitally, because um, like at first you just gotta get your ideas out or even understand what those ideas are. Cause you know, they can't like, if they, if I try to think of ideas or like, like do a little written treatment or whatever, like, you know, I, I'm just gonna blank. I need to kind of see, to start doodling, like literally tiny thumbnails. 
Um, so that's always done physically. I'll like show that to the art director or whoever I'm working with. They kind of think, oh, I like this concept. And then I like take a photo of it, uh, airdrop it to myself. And then I use that as a very, you know, casual base for the digital illustration that comes later. How much detail generally do you put into those thumbnails? As little as possible. It's really just enough so that I can get my idea out of my head and onto the page. And usually it's like, I try to do every thumbnail like between 10 and 20 seconds. So it's a general, general concept. Yeah, it's like, it's almost like the DNA of the final illustration is already within the tiny little concept that you did on the page. You later on realize how how much of the concept was already there. Yeah, so. Yeah, I I work the same way. I kind of like having as little detail as possible in my thumbnails because I feel like the more detail I have, the more married to the thumbnail I am when it comes to the final. Whereas if I have less detail, it's more of just the general idea still when I start to kind of work on the final. Um, at which point then it feels almost a little bit more improvisational, which I really like, if that makes any sense. Yeah, you mentioned texture comes up in your work a lot, and I feel like it plays a really important role in a lot of your work. Um, and so I'm kind of wondering, like, how you work to incorporate these textures and what role you think they play in, like, I guess, aiding the visual that you create. It's probably in a few different ways. Um, one is that it just adds it's like a nice way for me to kind of add depth and atmosphere and like just, you know, highlights and shadows. And going back to that um, airbrush technique that I was talking about before, um, I feel like it kind of gives life to either characters or even inanimate objects. Our directors will often say like, um, let's add some more uh, details for texture or like m maybe add the pattern to the background for texture. And I like, was like, what does that mean actually? And then I started understanding that detail equates texture in a way. It's like, if you're drawing a city and you add like a million windows to the building, it's like that adds texture and like visual intrigue, I guess, or something. And I'm kind of hooked on doing that myself. Uh, I did this album cover for Aloneda again, that Israeli guy. And it was super dense already as is in like detail and stuff, but he's standing on a balcony and I really wanted the balcony to have this like, it's called like sesame tiles. It's the mm -hmm. super ugly tiles that are super, um, they're super common in Israel and they're really ugly, but also like kind of iconic in the same way that like a parquet, parquet, I don't know how to say it, floor yeah, yeah. in Paris is like the common thing. Like in Israel, unfortunately, it's the sesame tiles. Anyways. It's sort of like a floor with like <laughs> with like freckles or something, and I, and and what I wanted was to do that, but then also it made the scene even more dense. So like I use uh, a textured Photoshop brush to add like lights, shadows on top of that. So it's like texture on top of texture on top of texture, kind of builds hierarchy. So we barely even look at that balcony, but um, also like the second time you inspect the album cover, hopefully you might notice it, and right. it's like I use texture in a way to like add little hidden jokes or something so that you're so that hopefully like a viewer will go back and notice something new kind of like every time and won't be bored because that's, that's my so cool fear. because yeah i feel like a lot of people and i i don't think that there's necessarily any harm in doing this but i think a lot of people 
will just kind of like slap a texture on top of their work and call it a day. But I, I love when it is more purposeful and you can definitely feel that with your work. Um, so it's really cool to hear the intent behind it. Um, and so, yeah, I, th this totally takes us into my next question for you, which is that you work in so many different styles, but each one of them definitely feels very uniquely Yuval. Um, and so I'm curious, you know, about your choice to work in so many different styles and how you feel that your voice carries over through all of your work, regardless of the medium or style. First of all, it's a compliment that you think I have a bunch of styles, because often I think that, you know, I may have, I may kind of be using one or two styles, I guess, that um, let's say there's like two styles I mainly work in, which is one of them is like an outline kind of style where it's, um, outline with a pretty much flat fill most of the time. And the other one is this like shaded work that has no outline and it's much more like the way you said stencil, um, airbrushy feel. Usually I think that most of the work I do, I guess has like a whimsical nature to it, <laughs> like a playfulness um, that, you know, I both kind of try to achieve, but also just kind of I think comes naturally to me because that's kind of how I deal with things anyways. Uh, for example, like um, I did the, a project for Zelle and it was like about um, how to avoid online scams. And they want to tell these stories about, you know, people, vulnerable people getting scammed and how it can happen to anyone. Um, so I wanted to build these worlds. Like world building is extremely important to me. Like, you know, adding details to... Uh, the characters, stuff that really doesn't need to be there. They just wanted a character who's like in her own world and then like a doorbell wakes her up from her fantasy. But they didn't say anything about her having a rabbit. And like, I thought it would be cool for her not only to have a rabbit, to kind of like be a little bit obsessed with that rabbit. So that like when she's in her fantasy world, she's like in her kingdom and there's like a portrait of a royal rabbit in the background. And that's kind of the same shit that I've been doing since I'm a kid, basically. I've always been doing these stupid details that people kind of told me to stop doing, I guess. But now are, you know, when you're a kid, I when I was a kid, I was always making this kind of like weird, weird scenes and stuff. And people were like, ah, just be more normal, I guess. Or I, I don't think anyone ever said that. Really, I should, I, I should. But no, that's, that's now what I think is the answer to my question is what kind of ties all of your work together and kind of what makes all of this, you know, uniquely you. Thank you. And, uh, oh, and actually I have another answer for you. Okay. I'm always trying to do animation that feels like dynamic and trying to find different ways of doing that. Um, so that's either like doing a lot of transitions and those are often morphs because, um, like the, so it's like you're making a connection between two things that are totally unrelated mm -hmm. and that can kind of create like a new, um, meaning. And I think that has a lot to do with my ADHD brain, which is like something that's, you know, very, it's like a constant in my life and my work, obviously. So it's like, sort of like the connections I make is probably a big part of, you know, my style. It's like making weird connections, but going back to what I was starting to say about it being dynamic is whether I um, want to do a morph between two scenes or I actually want to keep it simple. Like let's say in COVID loop, in COVID loop, uh, it was really important for me to, you know, keep the viewer's attention. So not only is it really like it's a 30 second loop, but I kind of challenged myself to not morph between scenes and not do these crazy transitions and all that kind of 
stuff, but to actually uh, give myself a very serious limitation, which is literally just like a comics panel where the characters need to be uh, moving around it. But also I wanted to be able to guide the viewer's eye throughout. So it's almost like an exercise in minimalism, but also in like creating visual hierarchy. So that wasn't enough, I felt. I felt like, you know, the characters move throughout and there's like a certain narrative. They're all uh, infecting each other with COVID. Um, and then also I felt like I didn't want to, I thought of myself as a viewer. And I thought, I don't want to get bored after seeing it one time. And then I added a bunch of details in the background. Like, so someone that got infected is now kind of like coughing a couple times throughout the loop. Uh, there's like a paper plane flying out of the classroom. It's all those all, little details again, right? <laughs> all these things that are pretty easy, easy, you know, to do. Not not actually easy, but, you know, like small things that add like a little bit of, uh, that would make me want to rewatch the animation because I'm like, you know, so scared of people losing attention. That's like kind of, I'm always fighting for attention, <laughs> maybe in life and in animation. But like, I, I'm always like, you know, I don't want my animation to be a chore. I want people to watch it and want to hopefully rewatch it again, if possible. Right. Well, I'm, I'm glad you brought up COVID loop because I did want to talk about it. Um, and I, I mean, you were incredibly successful in doing that. I can't even tell you how many times I've watched it over and over again, looking for like all the little Easter eggs, like here and there, because you definitely do like guide your eye throughout the piece, but then you know, maybe your eye is like in the bottom right, but something new is happening in the top left. Um, and that's like not something you realize the first time. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I think it's such a unique project and your personal projects like this or even grandma's birthday present, for example. Um, like, I, I, I just love this work. And I'm curious if you're doing any more personal projects right now or if you're mostly focusing on client work or... Um, yeah, if you have anything kind of in the pipeline at the moment. Mm. Um, <laughs> first of all, I, I love that you mentioned um, grandma's birthday present because that was literally her birthday present. Of course, like but it's amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Like it was just me and my sisters were each recording like a little bit of a story uh, about my grandma and uh, just I animated, like I, I cut those interviews up and I animated them and I, the reason why I was happy with that project was because there was no, obviously no storyboard. You know, it's essentially the final product is a storyboard. It's so rough. Like a client would never approve something like that. And I did it in a week after work, after I'd come back from work, I just do it at night. Um, and I didn't want to post it online or anything, but then, uh, my girlfriend at the time was like, yeah, I should put it on Instagram and people were like, oh, it's so cute. And then I was like, oh. Maybe I should kind of trust my instincts a little more as I animate, like not not overthink what I do, just sort of like, right. Uh, and and that is that sort of uh, ballooned into like I've I've kind of done that process and and one or two client things after uh, where they've been more what's the word, you know, when you go on stage and improvisational. Anyway, so like when I did the Yoni Bloch uh, music video, it was it was like one one long improvisation, you know. Mm -hmm. uh, sorry, but back to your question about uh, personal projects, I don't have anything in the works. Is there anything you think you'd like want to work on? Uh, yes, for sure. I um, I want to develop 
No, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm half joking. Like I do have something, but I don't even want to, it's so in its like starting stages. That I don't want to talk about it too much, but like, I'm, I'm trying to like develop an episode of hopefully like an animated show is sort of what I'm hopefully going to manage to accomplish at some point. Like a pilot uh, would be the idea. I think so. It, it's, it's, that's the most interesting thing for me. I think like narrative based animation, which I can also write or write with someone, I think that's kind of what my, what I really want to do. Um, and I did do something which was really cool. It was like, um, I did this course with uh, Peter Chung, who's who's the guy who uh, directed um, Aeon Flux. And um, we basically had like a series of, of exercises where like he'd give us all these concepts that he teaches it, I think like, uh, USC or like University of California something and he just turned that into his first online course and I was kind of lucky enough to be one of those people that signed up for it and that was amazing I felt that so much inspiration first of all because of him and how he speaks and like thinks and um, also he like gave me shit all the time like he's like this perspective is totally off I can't even like read this <laughs> read this scene properly and I was like no one's ever said that to me before. It's so nice, like the, to get like critique from someone really critical, right? Um, but it was mainly about like creating these like scenes or little bits of VO and stuff. I was like, oh, I got to do more of this. Mm-hmm. So that inspired me to try to make more narrative-based um, films. Oh, I'm so excited! Whenever it comes out, if it ever comes out, whenever it comes to fruition, I can't wait. Thank you. Yeah, I'll be. Um, I'll send it your way ASAP. <laughs> <laughs> So just a few more questions here, I think, before we wrap up. Um, but you've worked on so many projects, um, you know, personal, client, uh, while you were in school, you know, just like everything throughout the course of your life. And I know that this is kind of a heavy question, but I'm wondering if you have a favorite project that you've ever gotten to work on um, throughout all of that. Hmm. Um, probably Headspace because for a few reasons i i really uh i really like that project one because the client's cool and i it's lovely to work for the good guy once in a while too you know someone who you know there's literally nothing bad about <laughs> about meditation that i can think of uh and it's done an amazing things for me too meditation but yeah so it was like and also i like the way i got to it again because of a very weird like sequence of events because I uh, became friends with this guy called Magnus Adam. Uh, and I got to know him because I was like in very lost when I was in New York, freelancing, not knowing how the hell you even get jobs and stuff. And I reached out to this guy because I thought he worked at Vice Visual Studio, which seemed like a really cool place. And it, that's what was written in his about page. He's like, oh, haha, actually, I don't work there, man. But your work looks cool. Uh, yeah, maybe we'll meet up sometime. <laughs> and then he was working at an agency. And then like a producer there brought up like a list of, you know, uh, potential freelancers just for like motion design, not anything like mm-hmm. or anything. And he's like, Oh yeah, I remember this guy. You've all like, we emailed me, let's take him. And then we became friends ever since. And then he moved to London and started getting represented by strange beast, which is a really cool production studio in uh, London and headspace reached out to them and asked if Magnus could direct one of the episodes but it's a huge undertaking. So he he needed to get a co-director. And by this time, you know, he knew what I do, the kind of work I do. And he's like, asked me if I want to co-direct it with him. And I was like, 
hell yeah. And I came to London for a couple months and I did it. I did that with him anyways. And I'm just proud of it because like, I learned so much doing it. First of all, they strange beast is like this place that is very, like, it's the first time I worked on a production that was so like, there was such a, um, structure to it where you start off with storyboarding and then you bring on like these amazing animators to make all the rough animation. And, um, uh, and then there's the, you know, more polished animation and there's cleanup and we had to figure out like how to animate it because Magnus and I kind of settled on this style that we developed together. Uh, I should mention that the, the whole airbrushing technique is something that I already started, but I re refined it like a million times when working with Magnus. Cause he's like much more of a polished guy. He's super creative, but also knows how to kind of bring that like sparkle to things. He's a really good designer, animator, and uh, we kind of developed this project, this style together. Like each of us would bring a style friend. We're like, um, this is awesome, but maybe a little more like that, a little more contrast. I love that this was had more color to it. I don't think black belongs here. You know, like he developed this palette. We just we just brought it up together, basically. Right. And uh, and then like you wouldn't be able to tell our style frames apart, which is really cool. Like we managed to really work simultaneously and we were in such a similar headspace uh no pun intended uh as we were doing it and we were just like it was like really a really 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 solid collaboration between the two of us i learned so much from him and like from working on that and uh <laughs> yeah and it was just a really gratifying experience there was like 30 ish people working on it overall in and out like a few incredible animators animated sequences which i could never imagine animating myself so that was probably my favorite Love yeah that. all right well yeah two more questions here um what kind want. of things do you <laughs> what kind of things do you like to do outside of the world of animation um and do you think any of these things kind of like influence your artistic practice at all and if not totally fine um but yeah like if you have any hobbies or um i mean i used to be a photographer it's what i thought i wanted to be uh when i grew up and I still kind of do that, like, so kind of street photography, either with my film camera or DSLR. Uh, I do that. I don't really put it anywhere, but I really enjoy that. And then also um, kind of like comics is something I've been doing for years. Again, don't publish them anywhere or anything like that, except for during COVID when I uh, would do these daily COVID comics, which was really fun when I had nothing better to do. And uh, they're almost like diary-esque. So they're little stories from my life. And I think I started doing them after reading this uh, comic book by, I think his name is Dan Brown, I forget now. It's this comic book called Clumsy and it's all about him and his relationships. They're so simple. They made me think, realize how easy it is to just make comics. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be anything special. And I wanted to journal anyways, because I always heard about the benefits of journaling, blah, blah, blah. So it was like very intuitive to kind of see something, want to talk about one of my uh, experiences and then like draw a little image of it in the hopes of one day going back to that journal and not just seeing a page full of, you know, text. So there's right. like something make, makes it more like <laughs> client friendly, I guess, or something. <laughs> I'm the client. And I still do that. And some of them, I, I do want to, I, I do want to put out some stuff because some of them are really cute, but uh, I'll see if I do that. I hope you do one day selfishly. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you. <laughs> um, and yeah, I guess to wrap up here, Last question would be, um, do you have any words of advice or um, any thoughts you would give to aspiring animators or people looking to stick with the medium? Um, anything that's kind of helped you out over the years? I think I have 
I'll, I'll figure it out as I say. Um, but generally speaking, I think that, um, you know, again, I really understand the question about like, people are like, what program did you use? And it's like the classic answer is someone that's already like uh, figured out their style and kind of understood what they want to do. Of course, they don't need to ask that question because there's this, um, uh, and I forget what it's called, but there's like this expert conundrum thing where when you become an expert to some degree, you don't remember what it's like to not know that thing anymore. Um, so you can't remember, you can get very easily frustrated when people don't know how to work. I think that there is, it's essential to like try to uh, find any way you can to like figure out that thing you want to understand. So yeah, sure, there's all these resources, but it's it's often like really overwhelming. And what I found to be helpful as I went is to kind of try to surround myself with people that do know things. Not always easy, you know, it's easier said than done, but like, that's why I fought so hard for an internship because I realized that kind of being amongst people who are like incredible at what they do would allow me to ask questions. And those questions taught me so much. It's much more about technical stuff it's more about kind of like seeing how they work and figuring out how their brain works to achieve these results. And um, so that's one thing, literally asking questions. And usually people are so nice, they'll answer like um, anything you ask. I feel like particularly in the animation community as well, um, generally everyone is so, so nice and so willing to answer any questions. Um, you know, even what program do you use? If, it, if that is like a silly question to ask, yeah. but people are generally so sweet and so willing to talk. Do you know how that, that's how I figured out the, uh, the airbrush technique. Like, I hope I'm not like, um, you know, exposing him in front of everyone, <laughs> but like uh, this guy called uh, Oli Tool, he's this incredible Israeli uh, illustrator, animator guy. He did this like guest lecture in my school when I was studying in Jerusalem and then I just emailed him and was like, I absolutely loved what you're doing with grain. Is there any chance like you can tell me how you do that? And then he did this really nice long email explaining exactly how he does it and like how he, not just only how technically he does it because it's super simple. He explained the way he thinks about it. And uh, I was like, oh, of course, that's how he thinks about it. But I was so confused when I was just trying to replicate what he does. And he was so nice. And um, obviously I emailed him nicely. I wasn't like, how do you do this? I was like, I told him how much it meant to me, like, and, and how much, yeah. And I've done that a few times with different people. Um, every time I see something that I thought was, uh, you know, something I want to achieve, like how the hell do they make that background look so nice? And you, you, you usually understand that the technique is relatively simple. No, almost no one does stuff that's complicated. Everyone finds their groove and like, and I was, I used to be incredibly frustrated at the way I would look at people and be like, oh, it looks so professional. Why does my work not look professional? And then I just asked people, you know, and um, uh, how they do things and how they think and when an illustration looks like finalized in their opinion. Literally ask and talk to people. If you can get internships, I think that that is one of the most helpful things in the world. And, uh, you know, there's the, that thing they say that like you learn the most in the first year after you graduate university. Like, so basically your first job is like the real kind of breeding ground for all the knowledge you're gonna get later on. Uh, it's when everything kind of clicks, like all these things you learn. So, I mean, I know about myself, I was so worried 
that like, I'm never going to develop my own style and I'm never going to be able to get a client and figure out how the hell this works. But, um, from the moment I became a freelancer in New York, I just started emailing like freelancers who I'd come across and, um, was like, how much do you know of any leads I can get and how I can get work as a freelancer. And like, I felt totally unready, but also like, they're like, oh yeah, um, I'll connect you with this agency. And they connected me and all of a sudden they had like a booking for a week. I was like, I don't know how to do anything. What the hell am I going to do in this booking? It was really stressful. But then even then on the job, I had to ask other freelancers. So how do I add the highlight to this bottle of medicine and after effects? And like, they have to like, you know, restart their brain and be like, how much of a non-expert is he that I have to like, how much right. do I have to explain what are players? What is this? What is that? And like, eventually you just learn on the job. That's beautiful. And that's such perfect advice. Um, and it, it all, I think comes back to community building um, and like surrounding yourself with this community of people who are doing what you want to be doing and also want to help you succeed in doing that. Oh, and last thing, sorry. I know I'm ranting. Oh, I'm of course. A, <laughs> I didn't know I, I had all these rants in me. <laughs> <laughs> but um one thing i wanted to say was that like and it seems obvious but personal projects are literally the thing in my opinion that has brought so many people like to the next level in their own like style because yeah sure sometimes someone will take you for a project and be like oh i trust you to figure this out as you go but honestly like um I kind of had to force myself to make little personal projects. And for me, that was always doing these like micro, micro bites. I kind of figured out my own style as I was doing it and what kind of interests me and the kind of transitions that I like to see. And I was like, I didn't, I even realized, oh, I love doing transitions and I love playful transitions. Um, and that's kind of how you figure out so many things by like, you know, you have no, you, you have no one asking you to do the project and that's the hard part, but also you can do something you actually feel passionate about hopefully as you do it or at the very least after you finish it. And that's why we need to see more personal projects from you. <laughs> sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'll work on it. Cool. Oh my <laughs> gosh, Yuval. It's been such a joy talking to you. Thank you so much for taking the time. I mean, thank you for having me. And as I, I know I said this already when we met up back in New York, but like, I think that this podcast is so cool. And like every time, like, you know, there's all these people that like, I absolutely admire like, uh, you know, Jamie Wolf, for example, I'm like, just hearing her talk is like so inspirational. And I was, yeah, it, it really meant a lot to me that you brought me on to like the podcast. Cause I think it's such a cool podcast. Oh, well, thank you. Thank Keep you. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll catch up again soon, but for the time being, I'll talk to you later. So much love. Yes. And yeah, thank you again for uh, taking the time to chat. Thank you too. All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to this week's episode. It feels so good to be back in the swing of things, and I can't wait to share the next handful of interviews with you all. If you're interested in seeing some of Yuval's work, you can find him on Instagram as Yuvaru. That's Y-U-V-A-R-O-O. For the time being, and unless it proves to be unsustainable, new episodes of this podcast will be released every other Monday for the coming future. I couldn't be more excited for this next episode with Jenna Caravello, one of my personal favorite animators, game designers, educators, you name it. I hope to see you then, but until next time. Mm -hmm.